Last week we started a series on our citizenship as believers. We learned that our citizenship is dual. We're citizens of heaven and earth. Our citizenship is governed in heaven and earth. Our citizenship is giving. We pay taxes and we give to the Lord's work. Our citizenship is honoring. We honor those in authority in our life. Paul wrote to the church in Rome during the reign of Nero, one of the world's tyrants, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And he goes on and reiterates this truth throughout almost the rest of the chapter of Romans 13. Today we're going to look some more at our citizenship as believers. It was a joyous day when my wife was naturalized. That is, she was made a citizen of the United States. It was in the summer, the first part of the summer in 1983. The ceremony was in Houston, Texas. Hundreds of people were made citizens that day, sworn in as citizens, having taken classes and jumped through the hoops with a green card. Did you know green cards aren't green? call green cards. Maybe they were at one time. Um, Work permit and all that, and she was sworn in. The ceremony was actually in two uh, languages. English, of course, our national language, and Vietnamese. So many boat people were becoming citizens that day that they honored them with with the language that they understood clearly and thought in. And so it was a, a joyous occasion. And then the next day we hit the road to see America. I had just finished college in our little Ford Escort with our two children. Our son's stroller was crammed in the back of the hatchback. So crammed were we that when we arrived at our first destination, one of the wheels on his his stroller, it was one of these strollers that folds up like an umbrella. I don't think they're legal anymore. One of them was warped. But we went to see America, did our best to stay off the interstate. I mean, drove through little towns, up through Arkansas, Illinois, all the way as far East is Cleveland, and north is Chicago, and just had a great time to see America. It was great the day she became a citizen. And then we had another great occasion when we visited Zimbabwe. Last month, she received her Zimbabwe birth certificate. Now, why is that so special? Well, she had a Rhodesian birth certificate, a country that doesn't exist anymore, a country the UN declared was illegal. And so she was thrilled to get legal in her origins, as well as to still keep her U.S. citizenship. So, as believers, we are citizens of earth. Honored to do that. Be loyal to the country where you're from and where you are, as well as loyal to heaven. Amen, if you've been born again. Ephesians chapter 2. The context is here. He's talking about how everything is under the feet of Jesus and under his authority. In verse 1, He then shifts from Jesus to us. You he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. That's what we were as unbelievers. 
But now that we are believers, we're not perfect yet, but we're on the way. And here's what happens. I saw Pastor Robert Morris use this illustration, um, and I think he got it from my pastor, Pastor Olin, that as unbelievers, we're empty. We're heading towards destruction. We're separated from God and one another because of sin. But when we're born again, something happens and we change directions. And while we uh, may be tempted to head the other way because of hurt, unhealed hurts or anger or things, fleshly appetites, our default position is to repent and continue to head God's way. And so it's my desire that this sermon today, if it hits us anywhere between the eyes, that we return to our default position where we have been born into. Not only are we no longer empty, we're full, but we're heading down that right road. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love. Can we say rich? rich. We say great. His mercy is so rich. One, I think it's Psalm 138. Every verse ends with, and His mercy endures forever. God did this, and His mercy endures forever. God did that, and His mercy endures forever. Because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. The word dead refers to our separation from God because of sin. Death separates, right? Our spirit is separated from our body when we die. We're separated from loved ones when we die. And when we're dead in sin, we're separated from God. But through Jesus' death, paying our penalty, we now have life in Him. That is the gospel. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know, a diamond isn't fully appreciated unless you put it against a contrasting color. Right? Put a diamond on white velvet, and oh, that's a diamond. Put it against black velvet, oh my goodness, that's gorgeous. The riches of God's grace is best seen when demonstrated against the blackness of our wickedness. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. That He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you see anything in us, if you're an unbeliever, if you see anything in Christians that you like, we don't get the credit for it. It's God. Well, I don't see much I like. Well, you should have seen this before God started working on us. I heard a story of a guy that saw a sculpture of a bear, and he was very unimpressed till he learned the sculpture had to use chainsaws. Then suddenly, it's a masterpiece. If you realize what God had to do 
to get us to where we are, you'd say, they're masterpieces. <laughs> Created in Christ Jesus for good works. I heard about a, a choir that was practicing one night on a stormy night. And at one point in the practice, the organist just quit playing. She said, that sounds like hail. The choir director said, now come on, they don't sound that bad. Little humor there, very little. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The word their commonwealth relates to the word citizenship. Aliens. separated, on the outside looking in, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who weren't once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Through what Jesus did for us, we have been included in the covenants of promise. God made a covenant with a man named Abraham, and in doing, he put Abraham to sleep, and he sealed the covenant himself, making his promise to him and to his descendants. So the natural descendants of Abraham were blessed and have been blessed by the promise that God made to them. Just like you had a neighbor, if you had a neighbor that you made good friends with, and you formally made an agreement that if something happened to you, they would take care of your kids and vice versa. It would not be because of the goodness of those kids. It'd be because of the goodness of the agreement. In our case, it's because of the goodness of the agreement and the goodness of the one that made the promise, God. And Abraham's descendants are blessed because of that. Verse 14, talking about our Redeemer. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. What is this both? He's talking about Jew and Gentile, Hebrews and non-Jews. He's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is, the reason to be enemies or the reason to be apart. He abolished it in his flesh, the law of commandments in ordinances. Now, if you read the Torah, read the law, the word ordinance is in there three times relating to commandments. There's the ordinances of the Passover, which say uh, you can't celebrate it unless you've been circumcised. And part of the whole Passover festival is the uh, seven days of unleavened bread. And if you eat bread with yeast in it during the seven days of unleavened bread, the law says you're cut off. Can you say separated? But Jesus experienced the penalty for breaking the law in himself so that we could be brought in to the new covenant. Isn't that good news? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, 
thereby putting to death the enmity. Now we're included in the covenant and there's no, raise, there's no room for anti-Semitism on our part or anti-Gentilism on the part of Jews. Can I get an amen? amen. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, that's Gentiles, and to those who were near, that's Jews. For through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit to the Father. Isn't that good news? Now therefore, well, this is written to Gentiles in Ephesus, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Can we say citizenship? citizenship. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles, basically, in its simplest form, were the first ones the Lord sent out to begin established churches. Prophets were the ones that foresaw this thing centuries ago. This foundational. We do not throw away the Old Testament. Never rip that out of your Bible. It's our foundation. It's our roots. Our roots are Jewish. Can I get an amen? amen. So the household of God has been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He's still working on us, making us a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The foundation of the church is knowing who Jesus is. In Matthew 16, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, or you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, right, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So the rock, the word, Greek word there is Petra, that the church is built on, is knowing who Jesus is. It's Jesus himself. That's our foundation. And then we are built up by receiving new identities from him. Peter wrote in his letter, we're living stones being built up into a spiritual habitation. So the walls of the church... The foundation is Jesus. The walls is his people who know one another based on the identity they have received from Christ. No longer is Simon Simon. He is now Simon Peter. Jesus said it. He gave him a new name. He's given us new identities. Paul to the church in Corinth said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. This was us, but now that we've been born again, this is us. And we're living in a season of controversy in our culture, in our nation, where the winds of controversy are blowing and trying to get us to go this way. Trying to get us to be wicked and unmerciful. But may God center us up today in the middle of His will. Anybody agree with that? So let's look at verse 19 again. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us from these verses today in such a way that we would be different, that we would be aligned with your will, and that we would continue to be that workmanship which you've ordained us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our topic today is our citizenship in heaven and on earth. Why do we, how do we, where do we have citizenship in heaven and how is that reflected in our earthly citizenship? You may be from the U.S., you may be visiting us today, you may be from one of these countries or another one, maybe one of the countries in the, in the flags and the foyers represented. However it is, this relates to you. This sermon is not just for U.S. citizens. This is for us all. If you're a man without a country, well, guess what? You have an earthly citizenship. You're a citizen of the planet. <laughs> Our citizenship in heaven and on earth. Our heavenly citizenship is given through God's rich mercy because of his great love. May we never forget that or take that for granted. Verse 4 said, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son because of God's rich mercy and great love. This citizenship is freely given to each of us corporately. We Obvious, we often see ourselves as individuals. America values the rights of the individual. Other countries, sometimes not so much. But God values us as individuals, but also as a people, as a group, corporate relationship with him as well. The cross had vertical beam. Me and Jesus got my own thing going, but it doesn't stop there. Horizontal beam. We have a relationship with one another the greater body of Christ. You're not a citizen of heaven by yourself. He made us alive together. Can we say together? together. With Christ. Raise us up together. Can you say together? together? Made us sit together. Can you say together? together? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's made us alive. He's raised us up. And he's given us a position in heavenly realms. That's our citizenship in Christ. Why? that in the ages to come, from now on, throughout eternity, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This gift gives us no reason to be arrogant. You ever see an arrogant Christian? That's, that's an embarrassing thing. I'm a Christian. You're not going to do me wrong. That, that's just not, it's not good. Ruins your testimony. By grace you have been saved. Not by your good looks, or some of us are in trouble. No, I am. Not by your good works, but by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So nobody can boast. Hey, I'm going to heaven and you're not. Can't do that. Our good works are the fruit of his working. The result of him saving us by grace, we become different people. We're heaven-bound. We're on the highway, the highway of holiness, being conformed to the image of Jesus. But still, he gets the glory for that as well. We saw this earlier. We are God's workmanship. That word there, everything starts with a Greek word, is the word poema. It relates to the word poema, which relates to the word poetry. We are God's poetry. Literally, we are God's love poem. He's given us a reason to sing. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, we're not saved and useless. We're saved and useful. He saved us for a reason. So we don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we are. 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We walk in the steps he set out for us. Somebody said it's like this. God does the moonwalk. Just like a good architect who starts a building at the end with a sketch of what it's going to look like and then backs up to the beginning, God started at the end. Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God started at the end. I see you glorified in heaven throughout eternity, and then he backs up to the beginning with the object in mind. Prepared in advance for us are the works he's called us to walk in. So he gets all the glory because he left footprints to walk in. Somebody needs to write a poem about those footprints. In our past earthly citizenship status, we were lost aliens, trapped in holiness. Hopelessness. There's a difference. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This salvation is not like a sport where everybody gets a trophy, whether they win or not. No, this is a nation, heaven, where everybody gets the trophy of eternal life because Jesus won the battle. And because of his work, he said it is finished. It is finished. That word means to fulfill. He fulfilled. Word means to complete. He completed purpose of God, whose redemptive history was completed in Him, and we now walk it out. But we once were in bad shape. You're not impressed with us now. You should have seen us before He saved us. Our separation from God was real, but it was remedied by Christ's life. You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, the blood of Christ is precious. But it's not like a magic potion. It's synonym for his life. He gave his life. When he bled out, he gave up the ghost. Blood is a transportation system. It transports nutrients to the furthest extremities of your body to every cell is fed through your blood system. And it also transports to be flushed out waste, dead cells and, and oxygen, uh, carbon dioxide to get rid of. Christ's blood is our transportation system. Through what he did for us on the cross, he became sin for us, received in himself our curse to take the curse, the waste away from us so that we could receive the life that he gives us. He became sin and then he gave Life is innocent life for us to receive through the benefits of his shed blood. We celebrate that in communion. So we've been brought near through the giving of Christ's life. We were once far off, distant, separated. Now the blood of Christ has brought us near. He's reconciled both Jews and Gentiles. And let me say this. There are some people that would never be anti-Semitic, but yet they're racist in other ways. They're separated from certain kinds of Gentiles that they don't care for. Biblically, we're all put in the same boat. 
You're part of the same group of Gentiles. There was only two races biblically, the, the way God related to man, the children of Abraham and those who weren't. And so we were all no good. But through Jesus, we've all been saved. So we can't be anti-any people group. Amen. If you're in the KKK, you need to repent. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now Paul has written this from jail because of the enmity. He was in jail because he got rescued from being killed. He was about to be killed in Jerusalem because he was accused of taking a Gentile past a separation wall in the temple. It was an area reserved for Gentiles, and it was punishable by death according to man-made commands if you took a Gentile into the Jewish area past the wall of separation. Now, when God gave Moses the command to build a tabernacle, there was just two classes of people in that thing. The priests and Levites, part of the same camp, who ministered in the temple, and the people. Only the priests could go into the holy place. That's the outer compartment. Once a year, the high priest, one of them, would go into the holy of holies. So those were two separations. But man having good ideas, creating fence laws. Create, that wasn't enough separation for them. Here, let's keep the women outside this wall. Let's keep the Gentiles outside that wall. So here Paul is in jail, being separated, all because of this issue. So he's been studying, he's been meditating, he's been praying, he's been reading. He's got fresh revelation that applies to his case. Jesus is the remedy. Amen? The wall is gone. We're now all priests, and there's only one high priest now, and his name is Jesus. Moving on. God's people, that's us, who are believers, are fellow citizens with the saints and members of his household. What is the characteristic of God's household? David said in Psalm 5, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. Psalm 23 ends, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever. Psalm 52, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. So mercy is the characteristic, the culture of God's house. What is the culture of your house? Is it harshness? Is it legalism? Is it, well, we're Texans. That's good. But what kind of Texans are you? Does it reflect the mercy of God's house? In the multitude of your mercy, I will come into your house. We are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with 
Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. If you're a Chippewa, that's his Chippewa name. And final point, this is all possible, as as wonderful as it is, being unworthy to have been made worthy citizens of the kingdom of God. It's all possible because of the truth of verse 4. Because of his great love toward us. This is the foundation for this huge revelation we've been looking at. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So let's bring it home. What's the point? Okay, yeah, I'm saved. Great, hallelujah. Man, I hear this every Sunday. What, what is the point? The point is, does our heavenly citizenship that is ours because of God's mercy, does it shine through our earthly re- relationship to our own nation? Does the mercy of God that made you his citizen shine through you as an American citizen or whatever citizen you're a part, whatever nation you're a part of? Does God's mercy shine through That's the point. You can find this podcast last July 15th, Brooklyn Tabernacle, one of America's great churches, pastored by a great man named Jim Sabala. They're known because of their choir and also because of their pastor. He preached a word on mercy called almost extinct, on how there's such a shortage of it in America. I could not download the video, but I downloaded the audio and spliced two minutes out of it. Pull two minutes out of it. This is two minutes out of Jim Cymbala's preaching, the sermon entitled Almost Extinct. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. That means spiritually happy, filled with spiritual joy and energy, favor of God on their life. Why? Because they're merciful. And on top of that, they will be shown mercy. God himself vows it. I will show you mercy. When you need mercy, you will receive it. Why? Because you're merciful. How many of us have lost out on things God wants to do in our life because we're so unmerciful with people? We don't show mercy to people. We carry on in such a way that we're not full of pity for those who are in trouble. We're not looking to reconcile with people who have hurt us and offended us. That's what this means. That's what mercy means. It's an aggressive word. It's more than forgiveness. It's more than grace. It's a part of grace. It's the aggressive nature that Jesus had. Go out and get people who hate you and get them to love you and make peace with them. That's what the merciful are. And you have Christians who are full of doctrine in their head, but they got a bad heart. They're Calvinists or Arminians or Charismatics, and they want to argue about what's the mark of the beast in the Revelation. What does it matter? They got a beast in their own heart, the way they treat other people. The merciful are almost extinct now. Check it out on social media. Tell me how much mercy you see. Check it out in racial politics. Check it out in regular politics. Check it out with Republicans and Democrats. Check it out. Everybody here, come on, you're all hip. You all know what's going on there. Show me mercy out there. No mercy is go for the juggler including Christians. They're more political than they are spiritual. They're more racial than they are Christian. They're white or Southern or black or Republicans or Democrats, conservative, liberals. They're that first. Then they might be a little Christianity left over there. I want to be a Christian, first of all. How many say amen with me?
Our citizenship in heaven is a reality because of God's mercy. Does it show through our citizenship on earth? Where do we stand? Proverbs 27, 19 says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. If your life is short on mercy, it's a heart issue. It's not a matter of, well, I'm going to go and try to be merciful. Here's an opportunity to be merciful. No, it's a matter of, God, <laughs> maybe, maybe we haven't received God's mercy for ourselves. So we don't have it to give away. Maybe you're plagued by guilt and condemnation when Jesus has freely given you entrance into his kingdom because of mercy. And you know you're going to heaven, but you're plagued with guilt. Rejoice, not just that you have a better future, but rejoice because God has forgiven you. Mercy is yours. You receive it. Freely you receive, then you can freely give. Maybe you know you've received it, but somehow you... You think that you did something to make yourself worthy of it. Don't whitewash your past. It is what it is. I'm not telling you to air your dirty laundry to the world. But our story includes some some skeletons. Yet, in spite of that, God has shown us mercy. Isn't that awesome? It's good news, mercy. Well, people are a bunch of nitwits. They have to be idiots to think like they think politically. Have mercy. 1 Corinthians 1, not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty were brought into the kingdom. Thank God He's not leaving us the way we were. But because of His mercy, have mercy. Let's pray. As the praise team comes forward. Lord, uh, help us to respond to Your Word. Not to forget it, but to respond. Lord, those of us that need to make an altar in our seat, may we do it. Those of us that need to come to the front and publicly come to the altar, may we do it and surrender to you our lack of mercy and surrender to you our lack of faith, believing that you've given us mercy. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the honor of being citizens of heaven. And the honor and blessing of being Americans. God, we're so blessed. Help us to have mercy on Americans that don't understand our roots, on Americans that don't see things the way we see them. Lord, make the church a shining light of truth and grace and mercy in Jesus' name. The multitude of your mercies has brought us thus far. May the multitude of your mercies flow through us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this next song, do business with God. Can we do that? Do business with God. Come to the front if you'd like. Lay it down. Repent. Get right. Return to your default position as a born-again, blood-bought, pure believer who has been blessed by mercy. God bless you.
Cast my mind to Calvary. Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. Body bound and drenched in tears, we laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah stood. 